0: For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. Uh, Looking forward to a great conversation with two friends Hugh Jeffers is in the financial world, he helps to put together deals and get them financed and he particularly likes uh, limited equity uh, co-ops and cooperatives. And we have Jacqueline Rivera, I've known her since she was an architectural student at Howard University and um, she's been working about 25 years in the construction world and she's putting together a deal. Good morning Jackie and Hugh.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Glad you guys are up and on and ready to share information to folks out there in the world about putting together a a housing deal. Jackie, you're looking at putting together a deal in Baltimore City. Can you describe that for us? Where is it located? What kind of deal are you trying to put together?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So we started a campaign specific to Um, an area of baltimore city called sandtown winchester which happens to be the neighborhood that freddie gray grew up in the campaign is called mobilizing hope for sandtown winchester and our organization hope housing is collaborating with um, charles johnson park community development corporation in which we're providing financial assistance developing feasibility studies uh, master planning design and construction management for renovating these older, decaying buildings, uh, and also for helping to develop uh, new construction projects in the Sandtown-Winchester area. And this initiative is divided into four phases with the goal to produce housing and program facilities for veterans, children aging out of foster care, homeless families. Uh, We have a program called Men of Valuable Action, which is a Program for connecting men who are estranged from their children. There's a facility called Lorman Street hub Which is a residence for men who are recently released from prison and the Charles Johnson Park outdoor green space We also have a program for youth called f4 stem um, That introduces kids to uh, stem uh, careers in the building industry we have retail and residential mixed-use spaces that include job training and retail space and affordable limited equity co-op housing. We believe, uh, with access to the right resources, people can actually become empowered by their own abilities and gain the confidence to fulfill their potential.
0: So wait, that's a lot. You're going to work with veterans, children out of foster care, previous incarcerated, returning citizens. You're going to look at STEM programs, uh, that's education, and yeah. you use retail and mixed use and affordable housing. All of that wrapped up in that.
1: So, just to give you a little bit of background um, and statistics on the area that we're talking about, you know, Baltimore residents unfortunately comprise a third of Maryland's prison population, and an estimated 10,000 people leave prison and return to Baltimore each year. And a lot of them return to the Sandtown, Winchester, and Harlan Park area, which has an incarceration rate that's eight times greater than the state average. And according to Maryland's reentry stat, there's about 40.5% of people released from prison in 2009 who actually returned to prison in 2012. And so um, a 2015 Baltimore investigative report Um, identified that Sandtown Winchester is the number one community for incarceration. They represent 3% of the prison population and has cost the state about $17 million each year. And on top of that, there's this 31% unemployment rate and um, 31% of the residents are in poverty and only 35.65% of the uh, residents actually own their own homes. So the negative impacts uh, include, you know, this increased distribution and sale of fentanyl and heroin. And while the median household income is only $23,000. So at the heart of Charles Johnson Park and Hope Housing's efforts is the intersection of stable housing and workforce development, inclusive of helping folks returning to the citizenry and kind of helping them to seek long-term fixed residency in santown Winchester.
0: So I got 31% unemployment. What was that percentage of poverty with, with a poverty rate of $23,000 median family income, 23,000. That's the poverty rate already, but what, how, what's the percentage of people in poverty?
1: So 31% of the residents of santown Winchester are in poverty. So to, to respond to those issues, the collaboration between C.J. Park and Hope Housing has combined two missions to serve uh, individuals and their families coming out of incarceration and to serve fathers who are estranged from their children and this whole concept of dormitory living for youth that are aging out of uh, foster care and, you know, in general to address the need of affordable housing. So we've developed this four-phase scattered site development model for a mixture of single-family row homes for limited equity co-ops, multifamily housing, and shared living spaces with mixed-use facilities that include, like, these street-level commercial spaces for cooperative workforce training in barbering, landscaping, and catering, uh, for example. And the Mobilizing Hope project is divided, like I said, into four phases, with the first one consisting of... The purchase of a bundle of 18 contiguous vacant city-owned parcels uh, through what is called the Vacant to Values program through DHCD of Baltimore City. So phase one um, at a purchase low purchase price of $500. In that we'd like to we're actually creating uh, green space at the center of the community with a total budget of about $60,000. And then phase two consists of the renovation of what we're calling Lorman House Hub, which is an eight single occupancy single occupancy rooms in a large row house with shared kitchen space, common areas, and a basement uh, for admin offices and workforce training, with a budget of about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Phase three consists of new construction of the MBF Center, which is a 4,500-square-foot commercial space for the Michael uh, Bennett Family Center. And on the same parcel, we'll build dormitories for youth aging out of foster care with workforce development businesses for hands-on training at the street level, and then new construction on a bundle of contiguous parcels for a total of nine city-owned and one privately-owned property. So we're talking in phase three, a total of eight units for the youth programs and housed in 5,000 square foot for the MBF Center. So that budget is looking about $1.2 billion. And then phase $1.2 two,
0: million, you say M million, $1.2 million, or $1.2 billion B?
1: Million. Okay. Yeah, yep. And then Phase 4 consists of the purchase of 26 contiguous owned parcels on both sides of an existing street called Bruce Street for the development of single-family row homes uh, forming limited equity co-ops with a set-aside unit designed to accommodate single disabled veterans, veterans with families, and single non-veteran single resident. So we have found that um, co-op living is a better alternative over rental properties because co-ops are longer lasting and they foster a sense of community. So phase four budget is running around $5.8 million. So we're working on phase four with a Baltimore-based company called Blueprint Robotics that works from this huge warehouse on Bruning highway here in Baltimore in which um, they develop housing, both single and multifamily manufactured housing using cutting edge 3d printing technology and robots to precisely cut and assemble all of the units into panels and all the building components in their controlled laboratory environment. So that includes
0: Jackie. Mm-hmm. Jack, let me let me cut you off here a minute because I got a lot of information you've given us, and okay. so for this conversation, we want to talk about the 26 contiguous units uh, with Hugh, and okay. I, I I heard you say there are 26 units. I heard you say what it was for, and you said there's a budget of 5.8, right. but that is just the construction costs, and that's one phase of the construction costs. What's the total cost of that project of those 26 units? that would need financing?
1: So the, the the 5.8 represents the the entire cost of uh, the purchase of the Blueprints Robotics, you know, components and the build-out. So it's both.
0: Okay. But then there's, you've, we, you've got to buy the property. You've got soft costs. You've got other costs. I think when we talked before, you told me the total was $7 million for all of that?
1: Well, I I said $7 million was a total across all phases, one through four. The $5.8 million million budget is just for the blueprint robotics aspect of phase four. So in other words, we priced each unit at $135,000 per unit for the blueprint robotics product alone. And with the added connections, the trim outs and the skin, that adds another $98,000 per unit. Which brings the total cost of construction per unit at two hundred and thirty three thousand dollars,
0: okay, and uh, you have to add to that soft costs, um, the costs of where your architects and management of it, construction management uh, developers' costs, and all of those costs on top of that
1: right, and one of the good things about um, blueprint robotics is that they have the some of the design and engineering in-house in terms of, you know, you, you basically give them um, a floor plan, uh, a schematic, and then their engineers and architects do the development of the design in-house, insert it into their computer software, and it literally spits out in the warehouse using these robots all of the necessary components to build the building's shell and all of the rough-in associated with that shell.
0: Okay. So, $7 million for construction of these 26 units. $7
1: million, again, is the total uh, cost across this, all phases that I mentioned previously, including yeah. the $5.8 million budget for the 26 uh, contiguous units.
0: Okay, and approximately another million dollars in soft costs. Is that? Yes. So, that the total budget that we want to talk to Hugh about is. 8 million dollars in financing 8 million dollars to end up with these 26 units in in Sandtown. That's right. Okay. Fantastic. So we've got you've got a tremendous plan uh Hope Housing and Charles Johnson Development Foundation uh a tremendous plan of what all can be done in Sandtown. And one of the things that struck out to me was this It's costing the state $17 million to incarcerate these folks every year. And if we Mm -hmm. can get the state to take some of that money and help develop permanent housing and jobs, and then folks would have a better life and hope, and that's what you're calling this this project.
1: Yes.
0: Mobilizing hope. Hugh, uh, we only have a minute to go before we take our first break. Uh, what's the first step that one has to do in coming to you with an eight million dollar project for getting twenty six contiguous units, and they're going to be limited equity?
2: Uh, well, I mean, it's going to take a little more than a minute to go through what the first step is, but uh, okay, you know, the first step <laughs> the first step is to pick up the phone or send me an email. You know, I sort of wear two hats as it relates to new developments. One is the NAHC hat, the National Association of Housing Cooperative hat, and the other one is the financing piece of it. And, you know, when we come back from break, I will uh, certainly go through sort of the, the most important parts of that process and, you know, tell you exactly what we would need to really evaluate the project. Okay, so we're going to take our first break,
0: and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we have Mr. Hugh Jeffers on the uh, phone with us this morning and Jackie Rivera. And Jackie has just outlined for us in his first segment a very ambitious, exciting plan for Sandtown in Baltimore City. And he was just beginning to talk to us about financing such a plan. And he said he he wears two hats. He's on the National Association of Housing Co-ops Board and – The financing piece, which he does with Centennial Mortgage, and what I like about Hugh, I'll just say this up front in my working with him over the years, he is a different type of financial person in that he's in there to help. He'll be in there to help Jackie put this deal together to to make it work, and he'll be there to help in the financing and however that is so That's what he does. Hugh, you said you would talk to us more about this process when we come back, so I'd like for you to talk to us about the process.
2: Sure, sure, no problem. First of all, I'd like to say I'm glad, uh, very glad that you're including uh, a limited equity cooperative uh, model as part of this overall redevelopment plan. Uh, Jackie, you alluded to this uh, a little bit earlier, but – History shows that the the limited equity cooperative model is uh, a more stable model for housing than uh, regular affordable multifamily. Most of the limited equity cooperatives that were created back in the heyday of HUD financing uh, cooperative housing back in the 60s and 70s still exist today. And most of the affordable housing projects have gone through some sort of uh, regular multifamily projects have gone through some sort of transition it's not unusual to find a, a a member of a limited equity co-op being a resident for forty plus years, and uh, many of the co-ops that were built back then have residents that are have been there since the uh, beginning. So uh, the model is a great model when you're looking to create stability within a community and also to to increase wealth uh, economically. So hats off hats off to you on that. As I said before, I wear two hats when I look at new developments. I chair the Preservation and Development Committee at the National Association of Housing Cooperatives. And as part of that aspect of what I do, I really look to bring value to developers who are looking at the cooperative model and looking at where they are in the process, uh, what resources will they need, to make this development successful. What type of individuals do they need to bring to their team that have the relevant experience? And and I help them really put their team together. And that's really sort of the NAC side of this. Uh, and then the financing side of this, as Vernon mentioned, I, I uh, uh, and with Centennial Mortgage. We're primarily an FHA-insured mortgage lender. But we're one of the few FHA lenders that has uh, a focus in cooperative housing. And the cooperative program at HUD that uh, is used for new development cooperatives is called the 213 program. So one of the first things I'll do when I'm looking at a project, a new project, is seeing if, as you can imagine, federal insurance programs uh, have uh, many requirements. Uh, I, I need to make sure that that project is going to fit into sort of the FHA bucket, if you will. And if not, what do we need to do to make it? Uh, because the FHA 213 financing is by far the most advantageous uh, financing available for new housing cooperatives. The terms of the mortgages are are very uh, positive. They're uh, 40-year mortgages with fixed rate, low interest rates. Uh, interest rates are around – 330, uh, 3.3% right now. Um, It's really inexpensive money. And uh, the underwriting parameters for those loans are are, are pretty significant. Uh, You can go up to a 98% loan to cost. Uh, You can use 100% of your net income to uh, size a mortgage, um, which allows you to push the mortgage uh, to the maximum most Multifamily programs have a debt service coverage ratio of 1.25, so you can only use about uh, 80% of, the, of your income to, to size a mortgage. So, the program has many advantages. So, to start the process, um, my, my first question is to understand where the developer is in the process. Are you at the idea stage? Are you further along? Do you have site control? Do you have a preliminary plan? These are all questions that I would ask up front where you are in the process. Do you have community support? Have you done any community outreach? And by asking those questions, I can evaluate how much help you'll need uh, in putting uh, the deal together. And then when I start thinking about the financing, I look at, you know, things like what's the who, uh, what is the target market, Uh, does uh, enough demand exist in the market, and it appears in this market for, for sure uh, an affordable housing option and certainly affordable home ownership. Uh, there would be a huge demand in that market. But I would like to know, have you, have you done a market study? And if not, you know, have you done community outreach? So after I get through sort of that initial evaluation process, well, the other, the other uh, part of that process is uh, what, what is the development team's experience? It's important for uh, an FHA loan to have someone on the development team that has previous FHA experience, uh, whether it be uh, on the development team itself or the architect or the contractor. It's something that uh, helps you with it. It's not absolutely necessary, but it would help you through the process uh, of the application. And then uh, specifically with cooperatives, you'd want somebody on the development team that has cooperative experience. My understanding is your development team has a fairly significant cooperative experience on it. So, you know, it just helps me figure out what resources you need to bring to the table. The next step of the process, and this is thinking about the loan, what are the numbers? What can the target market afford to pay in rent or carrying charges for a co-op? What will the operations of the property look like? I'd like to know what the income is going to be, what other sources of income may be uh, present, and uh, what the operating expenses are going to be for the property Uh, most properties have uh, real estate taxes and insurance and uh, utilities and you know what are those numbers what do those numbers look like so i can come up with a, a potential net income for this property to help evaluate the loan that would be available and then last but not least certainly you've mentioned the numbers here you know, we're looking at probably a $7 million project from start to finish as, as it relates to uh, total development costs. I need to know what the total development cost is. I need to know what the hard costs are, what the uh, architectural and engineering uh, numbers look like, um, all the soft costs that are involved. The soft costs are going to include financing costs developer fee, uh, furniture, fixture, and equipment, um, and all the third parties that you would need to do uh, an application, uh, an appraisal, uh, an environmental phase one, an engineering review of the plans, and uh, things along those lines. And with FHA loans, there's also costs that are directly uh, related to uh, securing FHA mortgage insurance. So once I have all that information, I, I can figure out, what kind of loan, how much of a loan you would qualify for. Uh, my experience tells me that, you know, when you're uh, looking at an affordable project, you're, you're not going to be able to charge uh, market rate rent. Uh, so you're, you're probably going to look at a loan that covers about 60% of uh, the cost of the project, uh, the total development cost. So there's going to be a gap between what the total development cost is and what your blanket mortgage is. And that gap has to be financed between uh, two different things. One would be share equity, uh, the the amount of money that each member would pay in uh, to the cooperative when they uh, become a member. And then uh, a large portion of it with an affordable project would be covered through uh, what we call soft money or subsidy. Soft money is uh, very low-cost or no-cost capital. And so given my experience, knowing that you're going to have about a 60% mortgage uh, to total cost, I'm also going to want to know what subsidies are available in the marketplace. So typical subsidies include uh, grant funding from local municipalities. Uh, You may be getting uh, the land at a steeply discounted price um, there's also tax abatements and things along those lines. Uh, tax abatement would mean uh, the sort. Of, typically, a tax abatement is a trade-off between a local municipality lowering your real estate taxes and you providing affordable housing and a certain number of affordable housing units. Um, so I would want to know what all those potential subsidies are, so we know uh, what we need to go after to sort of fill the gap between the blanket mortgage, and your total development cost. Hugh, we got to get ready for our second break. So let
0: me just cut through, and we'll come back and finish this conversation with you. So what we've gotten so far in the first segment from Jackie was a description of a very ambitious, exciting plan for Sandtown. And with Hugh, on the second one, we began to outline the financing. If it's a total of an $8 million project, Then he was saying that his experience is that 60 percent of it would go for it with a loan. Six times eight is 48. So four point eight million would be a loan. And the best rest of it, three point two, has to come from other places like the city or the state or even maybe HUD or other grants. We'll be right back to talk more about this uh, on the other side of this break. back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes, and we're talking about uh, creating a property in Baltimore, Maryland, and Sandtown. The average median family income is $23,000. You have 31% of the folks in poverty, a lot of people coming back from and being incarcerated, and they had about 40% of them in three years. Returning back, So a high recidivism rate, there's no hope, there's no jobs, uh, tremendous unemployment in Sandtown. And Jackie Rivera has explained to me this uh, very uh, ambitious, exciting project for the people at Sandtown with Hope Housing and the Charles Johnson Foundation, uh, Development Foundation. So he was just talking to us about uh, what are the things that he looked for And he has two hats that he's talked about, and here I want to tell you, I used to be on the Development and Preservation Committee at the National Association of Housing Co-ops, and I always like to give a shout-out to my two mentors and heroes, and that was Roger Wilcox and Herb Fisher. They were two older gentlemen back in the day. Unfortunately, Roger passed a couple years ago at 97 years old, and he, uh has probably turned 90 or somewhere in that now. He's still with us and still active, and they used to sit me down. I used to literally sit down at their knee and learn about co-ops, in particular housing co-ops. So I'm glad you're chairing that committee and uh, you're doing, as you described, what we were doing then and seeing how we can get more developers to create co-ops, market rate, and limited equity co-ops for all of the reasons you and Jackie have already talked about. So we said that there's a eight million dollar project to create these twenty six brownstones, could be condominiums, but they're going to be cooperatives. And at eight million dollars, your experience is that about six percent of that uh, could be financed because we're trying to knock the the people in the area because of their low income. They could not afford to pay market rates, so we got to find a way. And so looking at 60% financing through a HUD 213 program and uh, the other 40% through the state, through the city, perhaps from HUD, perhaps from grants. Uh, there's people like Lisk and other people out there that help these kinds of projects. So that would be the, the trying to figure out how to, raise this $3.2 million. And Hugh, I've heard it that uh, layers of financing could be as high as looking for financing from seven different people. Is that your experience?
2: You have projects that have had, you know, 10 layers of financing, but typically, you know, to create an affordable project, you're, you're have, you have three to seven layers of, uh, of uh, soft money financing in a project. Uh, to bring the overall cost of the project into line so that uh, the member residents can afford uh, to pay what the rent would go to support the blanket debt on the mortgage or the blanket debt on the property.
0: Yes. Um, So I want to ask Jackie now, I want to go all the way back to some of the things that you say you look for. And Jackie, do you uh, just quick, do you have site control over the property
1: yet? We have uh, site control over one of the parcels I'm, right now.
0: The 26 units. We just want to focus on the 26 units. Do you have site control over those 26 units now That Phase
1: 4? Okay. A,
0: how would you get site control? I don't pay for it, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's a, a, a bit of an application process because the properties are currently owned. The parcels are owned by the city of baltimore they've been as uh so so if you can imagine that at some point there were 26 homes located on 26 different parcels that have now been assembled into one parcel by uh the mayor's office and so they offer up uh those that one parcel at a low price um, but there's a rather lengthy application that requires a lot of attachments that we have to assemble as we make an application for the purchase.
0: And so you mentioned vacant to values. Is that the program that you're talking about?
1: Absolutely. The, the program through the department of housing and community development in Baltimore is called Vacance to value. So the city has typically had uh, a rather large inventory of decaying properties. Mm-hmm. And so they put in place the vacance to value programs uh, program to make um, the, these uh, parcels and properties available for purchase by private owners and developers. So uh, that's what we're facing.
2: Can, can I ask a question, Jackie, just uh, curiously? Does the program, is it a competitive program? So are there other applicants for the same parcel or is it just one, uh, one group going after this?
1: It's, it's not typically um, competitive because there's so much out there that if you identify a site, it's likely that if you, know, you put together a package and it gets approved, you get
2: it. And is the land then granted to the applicant, or is it given at a discounted price? How does that work?
1: So it's given at a seriously discounted price. They have a pretty comprehensive database that um, list all the properties across the city and the the status of the property in terms of whether it's in receivership and then those properties that get beyond the receivership process they usually tag them I've seen properties that are as low as 500 dollars so as a matter of fact the property that we're talking about the 26 parcels that are bundled together you know the city is willing to work with you on that but Um, it's been listed at $500.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, the only reason I bring that up is typically land cost is something that really uh, impacts the overall cost of a project pretty dramatically. So the fact that you can get it at a steep discount is sort of one of your sources of uh, of soft money into the project. Um, So that's a very positive thing. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Jackie,
0: in um – so some of the other questions that he had said is development team, does does the Hope Housing being the development team, do they have experience in putting together a project like this, about uh, FHA experience and, and uh, co-op experience?
1: Well, uh, Hope Housing has extensive experience in the D.C. market in doing such things. And we have developed limited equity co-ops throughout the Washington area, um, including um, Big Wash, which was um, a laundry cooperative established for the Upper Northwest um, development near Belmont Street, Northwest D.C. We've done several co-ops in the southeast Congress Heights area. We've done a handful there. So, yes, we do have experience in the development of limited equity co-ops.
0: Okay, and then he is saying, "Do you have community support, and have you done a survey to know what the needs are in the community, and all of that?" You've, you've outlined the community well. Do you have community support?
1: Well, we do have community support, and that's where Charles Johnson Park Community Development Corporation came in uh, into play. They, as our partners, um, have a direct um, hand on the pulse of the community. Most of the board membership um, actually comes from or were raised, born and raised in Sandtown, Winchester. The uh, board members of Charles Johnson Park come from a local church. So, um, yes, we do have the support and we're in the midst of creating a a demand-slash-market study uh, where we're interviewing uh, or creating through a case study kind of environment we're interviewing local families to kind of discuss what housing types are needed for that area. So there's lots of discussion, uh, lots of partnering, and communication in progress.
0: Okay. So Hugh, what's the next step from what Jackie has explained? They got the experience. They see how you can how the process would be to get the um, land to get control over the, the land very inexpensive, what would be the next step that you would encourage Jackie to do, particularly with your NAHC hat on? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, typically these questions that I've asked I would provide to uh, a developer in sort of uh, an outline form. And I, I, I always encourage the developers that I'm working with to put together uh, a package that uh, answers these questions because – Any funding source, whether it be uh, your lender or uh, the soft money providers uh, or even the city are are gonna wanna know the answers to these questions as you're going through the process. So uh, it's good uh, to have a package pre-made, pre-done to to deliver to funding sources. So I, I encourage that as part of the process and I always like to be involved early in the process. So from the standpoint of the work I do for the National Association of Housing Cooperatives, and I sh- as an aside, I should tell you, Vernon, I did get an email from Herb Fisher yesterday uh, uh, pushing me uh, to do some new things. So um, he's still uh, pushing uh, and and still yes. providing a lot of resources to NIH. So e- even though he's in his 90s at this point. But anyhow... If I get involved early in the process, uh, I can, um, as I said, the answers to these questions help me figure out what the development team needs to get to the point where they will be approved for an FHA loan. Um, So if I get involved early in the process, I can bring additional resources to the table for the developer. In this case, you know, even though we don't have full site control, you're going through that application process with the city. Uh, I would go to sort of the next stage uh, of the process for FHA, which is it's a multi-stage process. The first step in the process is to uh, approach FHA HUD with what's called a concept package. And the concept package lays out essentially all these questions that I've asked. And so the next step in the process is to come up with the development budget and the operating pro forma and size up a mortgage and then put together a package for HUD with all these questions answered and have what's called a concept meeting with them. And that meeting is the first stage. We would review you know, the plans, the initial uh, numbers, what the market is, what we've done in the community to to gain support, what kind of outreach we've done, uh, how much demand there is. It would talk about the, the development team. And at that concept meeting, we try to get HUD to buy into the idea that we're putting forth with this project. And at the end of that concept meeting, they would either – Uh, reject it, which doesn't happen often, or invite an application if they agree with all the things that you've put into this concept package. So we would get a good feel up front of whether uh, HUD is accepting of this project before we start spending a lot of money on the sort of upfront costs of the project. All right, we're going to take our, our next break,
0: our final break, this hour goes by quick when we're having fun and talking numbers. I'm hoping people out there can keep up with us. And from what you've said, uh, it sounds like the team development team needs to do a vacancy of value and a concept paper. Uh, we'll be right back to talk more about why do this and, and some of the, the pitfalls in putting something like this together. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Information is power. That's why WL has made a great partner for the seven plus years we've been on air. But you know the National Co op Bank and Hugh when you were on the program last you said you used to work for National Cooperative Bank. They have sponsored this program both financially and they've been our biggest cheerleaders and told us about the folks that could be on the program over these seven plus years. Uh, and National Co-op Bank's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And as Jackie explained earlier, the Sandtown, Winchester area of Baltimore is definitely low income with a uh, median family income of $23,000. $23,000 is in the poverty area, what the U.S. calls people in poverty that makes that money so if that's the median there's a lot of people make less than that twenty three thousand dollars and there's a lot of vacant property in this area and as jack has talked about some of those properties have been torn down and there's vacant land with not a lot of people looking to go in there but i think the program she just talked about sounds very very exciting so that's the National Co-op Bank, and if you want to hear the program like Hugh the last time, or hear this program, if it's going by a little bit fast with all of the numbers and the things that we talked about, you can go to www.everythingcoop, and you can listen to. Right now, we have 240 previous shows that you could go listen to, and this particular show will be up in um, less than two weeks. Uh, it'll be edited and put up there. So. What we said we wanted to come back and talk about, uh, what, what, so l- let me do it this way. Let me approach it this way. While you all were talking, I put down on an Excel sheet, you're talking about an eight million dollar project. You're normally looking for 60% of that being financed, that's 4.8 million, at 3.3% for 40 years. That comes to a loan amount of $18,000 a year and 18,000 a month. If you divide that by the 26 different properties, uh, that means that every property would have to pay $693 a month toward that mortgage. And then you got to add on top of that, what I heard you say he when, because I've been a property manager, I know this you have to add the ongoing maintenance or co-op fee, um, than that, I just said, let's assume it's $306. It may be 400 but if it's $306, then the fee that the, each of these residents have to pay would be $1,000 a month. And in Baltimore, for something brand new, that would be extremely exciting. And it may be 1100 a month. But if you say the average median family income is $23,000, and HUD says that 30% of that should go toward housing, then that says that 6900 would go to housing. and That's only $575. So we're still a really big gap away from what somebody that makes 23000 can pay and what this fee would be. So what would one have to pay in order to pay $1,000 a month? And I just backed it up. That's 12000 a year. At, if that's 30% of their income, then they would have to make $40,000. Okay? And that sounds like that's a way, way from that medium. Now, if people in, the, in Sandtown can do that, but you haven't got the average person in Sandtown, so there's still some deep discounting. In D.C., we would look for HPAP, mm-hmm. Homeowner Purchase Assistance Program, okay, mm-hmm. to help with that. Or you go to HUD and look for Project Base Section 8 to help with that, okay? And that might be what has to be done here is if if one can find the amount that you have to get cut down in soft costs, if one can find that amount to get it, to get it down, you would still have to – look for in Sandtown, how do you bridge that gap between what an average person can pay, 575 a month, and this 1000 or 1100 a month, and what this total cost is going to be? And that's what goes in the concept paper from what I heard you say, in the concept that's meeting with HUD. Okay. And now having taught math, I know I just gave a lot of numbers, so it's, my students used to have a hard time if you just said those without putting it on a blackboard, and even if you had it on a blackboard, they may not understand it. But I just wanted to say in my quick numbers here, based on what I heard you guys talking about, even if the project costs $8 million and you can finance 4.8 through Centennial and uh, during Section 213 with HUD, there's still a gap that one has has to get for the average person in Sandtown in order to live here.
2: I, I think uh, Vernon. In, in that instance, there there may be there's a, a couple different ways to approach it. You can approach it from the income side of your operations, like you said through H or or Section 8 or something along those lines. Uh, you you can use uh, uh, vouchers for for cooperatives, but the, the the other way to do it is to lower the mortgage and find a soft funding source that's going to. Bridge that gap even further. So maybe you would have a $3.5 million mortgage and you'd have a larger gap that would need to be funded with soft money or something along those lines.
0: Okay, yeah. So it's one of those two things you have to do on the income side or on the loan side. Uh, And of course, you have to have very efficient management of the project. And this is where your board comes into play and your management company comes into play that you can get efficiency that you don't have wasted of money in the operations side of the whole of the equation so yeah all of that has to fit and that's extremely exciting to try to figure out how you
2: put all of this together and you two uh, i think
0: you all would do it go ahead you
2: yeah yeah i said i said uh, on the last show i was on with you vernon that it's like baking a cake it has several layers and you've got to figure out uh, how all the ingredients fit together to make a a really nice tasting cake so
0: And a nice-tasting cake in this case (laughs) is where the average person in Sandtown that may be coming back from prison and may not have a large income, it may be a single mom, Uh, it may have been somebody that was kicked out of foster care 20 years ago and don't have the skill set, but they can have a great place to live and a secure place to live. That's when it tastes good, this cake.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
1: So,
0: Jack, is that what you're shooting for in this project?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and um, we are certainly open to that kind of a scenario. That that kind of uh, uh, kind of a financial arrangement that would certainly uh, support the project. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so what's next steps? What do you do now? Either one of you.
1: Well, uh, it sounds like um, that there are you know, steps that we need to follow in terms of putting together a uh, concept package and go about the business of making contact with HUD to meet with them and, pre- you know, present all the parts and pieces of our package to them and see if they would be interested in helping us.
2: Yeah, just to add on to that, uh, I, I would provide you sort of the outline of uh, what the concept package is and what's included and we can start filling up those uh, spaces and uh, populate that and uh, have a cohesive plan going in the HUD uh, that we know that they would accept um, based on experience. So,
1: Okay. That sounds fantastic.
2: So the city has the Vacants
0: to Values Program, do they have any? Uh, does the city or the Maryland, the state of Maryland, have any kinds of financing programs to help with this?
1: There is a program through the uh, Vacancy to Value program in DHCD called the Community Catalyst Grant, um, and they offer that as an, an incentive for um, experienced developers to get involved with helping bring uh, the, the properties. That they have in their inventory online and so uh there are some some developer incentives that uh, DACD offers
0: does the state offer anything
1: you know we had excuse me our last meeting with department of housing and community development uh, they did bring on a state representative that also had a listing of uh, state programs that um, they encouraged us to tap into. And I unfortunately don't have that list in front of me, but there were at least two programs that, uh, you know, that we were apprised of during that meeting.
0: Okay. We only have a minute and a half left. What message would you like to leave people with? Hugh, could you start off? What do you like? To-
2: sure. I, I, I think this is, this was a great show. Um, this is sort of how every project I work on starts. It starts with a conversation and going through the details that we need to figure out. So I found this really helpful in learning more about the Sandtown project, and I think that we can come up with a plan to move this forward. Um, So it was really exciting, and uh, I'm glad I could uh, participate.
1: Jackie? Well, I have to say that I'm truly thankful for being asked to uh, be a part of this discussion and and learning about, you know, what HUD has to offer in terms of supporting projects like this. And I I am truly grateful for this and I'm thankful for your time and I just want to say that we really believe with the with the access to the right resources, people can really become empowered by their own strengths and their own abilities. So, Um, This is fantastic, and I certainly thank you.
0: Thank you guys very much for being on, Uh, everybody out there. I really would ask that you go to everything.coop. You can also go to usps.coop and sign up to help the Postal Service. Uh, And we'll see you next Thursday. Uh, Thank Jackie and Hugh for being on. We'll see you next Thursday and live cooperatively.